Welcome everyone to the Game Disc Podcast, where every week we discuss the past, present, and future of the video game industry, including the top 100 games of all time. I'm your host, Simon Esty, and I'm joined by my co-host, Noah Esty. And today, well, last week, Noah and I walked past the burning building that was Xbox, so we're going to kind of loop around and revisit that. And then for our top 100 games of all time discussion, we're diving into Metroid Fusion. Is it one of the best games ever made? We will get to all of that. But first, Noah, how are you doing today? Uh, all right, but I do have a question for you, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm scared, but go for it. No, no, it's not. It, it's just a good, some might call it an ethical dilemma. I wouldn't go that far, but no, it's just a quick little question. Okay. All right. Top five greatest rappers of all time, and they can't all be Pitbull. You can have Pitbull as one of them, but they can't all be Pitbull. Top five rappers, go. I mean, I don't really listen to rap, but uh, I would say coming in at number five, Mm -hmm. Pitbull. Really? Uh, Number five? Number four, I'd probably have to do Pitbull. Uh, Number uh, three, I'd probably go Pitbull. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Number two... uh, Don't fucking say it, don't say it, don't say it. Probably Lil Nas X. Okay, that's fair, yeah, yep. And Uh then uh, number one... Probably um, 50 Cent, but not the real 50 Cent, only <laughs> the version of 50 Cent from uh, the PS2 classic 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. Okay, um, I guess that's fair. I mean, for me, I don't know who Lil Nas X is, so I'd probably just bump up the number uh, three person to number two. And I just gotta slightly disagree on the 50 cents, so I'd probably just swap them out with Pitbull, in my opinion. Number five, because there's an open spot, I think I'd probably put in uh, Mr. Worldwide, but that's just me, personally. Nah, it's not a bad list. Yeah, no, uh, not at anyway. all. Um, what about you, Simon? How are you doing today? I'm doing uh, pretty good. Just ran some errands. My uh, To keep it video game themed, my GameCube died. The laser in it went out, so I had to drop that uh, at the the doctor so they said they'll call me in three to five days and hopefully i'll have a gamecube that is good as new and then i can play all kinds of cool games like shadow the hedgehog and um i don't know soul caliber 2 i guess yeah when you said keep it video game themed i thought you're gonna be like so yeah i did some side quests <laughs> i did do some side quests i ran some errands no I, I i got my gamecube hopefully fixed hopefully it's just the laser um, I think it is because it works totally fine. It just doesn't read games. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. So something that is maybe can't be fixed is uh, Xbox. So Noah, last week that was a that was a good one. That was a good transition. <laughs> Thanks. Last week we had a story that pretty much came out because we recorded a little late. We recorded a Sunday night on uh, California time, which meant. Uh, I think it was just Corden. No, it was somebody else. Somebody at The Verge posted an article basically saying how a lot of Xbox first-party games were going to come to Switch and PlayStation. 
and you and I mm-hmm. were fairly I don't know what the right word is, but I guess if I had to pick one, I'd say reasonable. You and I were pretty reasonable in how we thought that this might go down and why we thought Xbox or Microsoft, I guess, might be doing this. What I didn't really expect was when I got online the next morning and people started actually checking stories and seeing that this was happening uh, and that the internet was on fire and people were freaking out saying, this is the death of Xbox. Sony's going to have a monopoly. Uh, Microsoft is completely pulling out of gaming and all this just, and now they're the biggest third party publisher. Um, this all kind of came out Monday as we've gone through the, through the week, things have calmed down a little bit, but the idea is basically people's concerns are if all these games are coming to PlayStation and switch, then what's the point of having an Xbox and to kind of add fuel to the fire. Phil Spencer did post a tweet saying, you know, we heard you. We're going to have a business meeting next week, which a lot of people are saying, well, he didn't outright deny any of the rumors. So they're probably true. And that's probably not completely unreasonable to think the kind of and I know I'm talking for a while. Noah. I'm just kind of getting everything. I I mean, inform the audience, inform the audience. (laughs) Right now, the the working theory is because unrelated to this, there is a um a leak by Nate the Hate, I think, who is pretty good about Nintendo Nathan stuff Drake. saying, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> saying Nintendo, Nintendo's going to have a direct on February 15th. So the working kind of theory from a lot of people is that Nintendo is going to announce Hi-Fi Rush for the Switch at their Nintendo Direct. And after that is when Microsoft will hold this press conference or something, basically saying all their games are or not all their games, but some of their games are coming to PlayStation and Switch. And again, the working theory is that it will be a case-by-case basis, but we don't know how true that actually is because the big game that a lot of people think is Indiana Jones. And this one is... What makes it a little complicated is because this is a Bethesda game, and it would make sense for those to be multi-platform. And obviously, Microsoft now owns Activision Blizzard. Those are going to be multi-platform. So we still don't know, is something like Avowed going to come to PlayStation? And even if it does, is it going to be day and date? Um, there's just a lot of questions. And until we get kind of that that meeting with Phil Spencer, uh, I just don't know what we're going to do. But I, I understand people being concerned. But Noah, what do you kind of... Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I think that... It's something, yeah, we did talk about this a little last week. I don't think it would be the worst idea for Microsoft to... So Game Pass has been the thing that they've... It's been their bread and butter. That is why you buy an Xbox these days. You buy it because Game Pass is arguably the best deal in gaming right now, and you want access to that. So with that being said... I wouldn't be too surprised if they would are pretty much seeing if they can get Game Pass on the Switch or the PlayStation. It would be difficult, but it might be something they would be looking into 
it's pretty well known by this point that a lot of companies lose money on their products and they lose money on the consoles, make it up for it through software sales. I wouldn't be too surprised if Microsoft was just like, hey, we're spending a lot of money on these to get these games for Game Pass. Let's see if maybe we can put it on other systems and then we just don't have to make our own. But I don't think they're going to be completely out of the race just because they've been doing it for a while now. And even if sales aren't as good as they were, I don't think we're at the point where they're just going to drop it completely as of right now. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. I do think Microsoft needs to pivot. Whatever they're doing isn't working. Mm-mm. One of the sort of pieces of evidence that was used as Microsoft just completely getting out of the hardware game is that the Series X has been on pretty deep discounts for like three hundred and fifty dollars, and it's still just not selling at all. I think that mm-hmm. at, I think the Xbox One S actually was selling more at the same period in its life, which that's mm-hmm. not good. But I think that no. <laughs> Microsoft still has. They've got a lot of things going for them. They do have Game Pass, which maybe that isn't profitable. Who knows? But one thing that I think that they're in a really, really strong position is all of these manufacturers, Asus, Lenovo, MSI, they're all trying to make these handheld PCs. Microsoft Mm -hmm. could come out with one of those running some exclusive version of like windows handheld and just dominate um mm-hmm. and i think that that's hopefully what they pivot to because i think that that's kind of where gaming's maybe going we're starting to hit sort of like a critical mass in terms of how like how much better could the playstation 6 be than the playstation 5 i don't know mm-hmm. I, and i'm not saying everybody's going to do that but i think that sony and microsoft are definitely looking at what these other companies are doing. Asus, Lenovo, Steam, the Switch. They're looking at all these handhelds and they definitely see a market there. And I think that Microsoft is in a unique position to capture that if they play their cards right, which is something that the Xbox brand hasn't been able to do. But I'm hoping that they they turn it around. And I mean, we'll see. And and clearly Sony's interested in it. That's why they came out with that stupid PlayStation Portal thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we'll see if they come out with like a PlayStation Vita or 4 or whatever. But I don't know. What you, I, You're kind of like... Yeah. You don't think so? And mean... No, I definitely do think so. I think that <laughs> Microsoft has never had a portable console before. And if that is where the gaming market's going, because... Let's just simplify it. Steam and Nintendo, they both have consoles that are just on-the-go portable. You can play games. And it would make sense for all of these other ones that are essentially like the mini computers, like you mentioned. It would make sense for Microsoft, a.k.a. the company who's running the operating system a lot of those portable like computers are using it would make sense for them to try to get in it as as well and along with that for me personally when i first saw those things i was like oh that's kind of cool but 
it's kind of like a Steam Deck. I don't... It's kind of like, for me, when I saw it, I thought, oh, it's kind of like an off-brand Steam Deck. And even though that's not the case, yeah, that was my initial reaction. But if Microsoft comes out with one and they advertise it as this is essentially a mix between a computer and a gaming console, I think that that could prove very well for them. And even though there would be similar products to it, it's definitely a way for Microsoft to... I definitely believe they would gain a large portion of that that market just on the basis of we're fucking Microsoft. Yeah, I I agree with all that. And and kind of one thing you mentioned about sort of these other products being knockoffs. I don't I don't think so. A lot of people really I like don't think the, so either. Uh, no. I don't think so yeah, either. Yeah, but to your point, a lot of people prefer the um ROG Ally to mm-hmm. the Steam Deck because it mm-hmm. has a little bit more functionality because it is running Windows. But at the yeah. same time, a lot of people say the biggest issue with this is that it is running a full version of Windows and it is obviously by nature of it being handheld a little weaker. So if Microsoft can capitalize that and say, here's Windows 11 H for handheld or something, I mean, that's a lot of problem solved. That's not only a real Steam Deck competitor in a way that we haven't seen, but that could maybe put Microsoft or uh, Sony on their toes. Like, why should I pay $600 or whoever, how much the PlayStation 6 is going to cost when I can play games handheld on this Xbox device for a little bit less? So, yeah, I, I think that I think a pivot by Microsoft is necessary. I don't think if they choose to just totally forgo whatever the next console is, I don't think that's a bad thing as long as they're still doing something. So one more question before we move on from Microsoft, Noah. If What game do you want on your Switch or PlayStation the most? probably hi-fi rush that's the game that is kind of what this whole thing is rumored about and that's the game i'm definitely most interested in just because it's unique it's got a really fun interesting art style it's bright and colorful most games these days are either anime or they're realistic so yeah it seems like uh, something that i'm very interested in playing yeah for me, it's a. I want Pentiment on the Switch. That seems like the perfect place for that game. Oh, that would be a good game for a Switch. Yeah. One. But... Well, some people who may not be releasing any games on the Switch are toys for Bob. They had a bit of a scare because Microsoft closed their uh, office in the Bay Area last week. They also <laughs> laid off 86 employees, which this is a smaller studio. So that was like half. I think there's 79 employees left. So a lot of people took this to mean that Microsoft was completely dissolving Toys for Bob. We still don't know exactly what's happening. For right now, the remaining employees are still employed, but we don't know if they're just fully remote now, if they're going to get absorbed into some other studio at Microsoft if they're maybe going to just do further cuts down the line, we don't know. But uh, as of right now, their physical office is closed. And that's a bummer. Uh, Toys for Bob made, they've made a lot of pretty good games. Most recently, I think they came out with that Crash 4, which a lot of people loved. Um, and a lot of people were hoping that they just come out with a, uh, a new Spyro game. And so the fact that they kind of got sucked into the Call of Duty machine was bad enough. And now that they might just be gone is an even bigger travesty so 
uh, I'm hoping that they're they're not. I'm hoping that they stick around and it's just layoffs, which are unfortunate, but it's better than a complete death of a studio. But what are you thinking, Noah? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping they keep them around. It's one of those things that whenever you are doing anything in business, always want to diversify your portfolio. And Toys for Bob kind of, in my opinion, they were like a double A studio. They did a lot of remasters. They did the new Crash Bandicoot game. Seems like they were kind of a double A studio and not a bad idea to have one of those around, especially for Game Pass. Yeah. Just so then that way you get some more content on that. But if Microsoft is planning on easing out of hardware, I guess it would make sense for them to not want to focus too much on that content on that and there's a couple different ways of looking at it if they did want to completely get out of the video game console market focus entirely on game pass would make sense for them to keep toys for bob because then that way it's hey you want to play spyro 4 gotta get game pass in order to play it but at the same time they did just buy activision and blizzard and given that a couple years ago they bought some companies as well, maybe they just don't really feel the need for a trip, a double A studio, which hopefully which would be absolutely case- wild. Could you imagine like the two biggest, like best reviewed Xbox games since like the Series X launched were <laughs> Hi Fi Rush and Pentiment? which are like small <laughs> games. It's like, if if you have a strength, Microsoft, it's small games. But yeah, let's get rid of half of a studio who could put out a, a cheaper game. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, again, and like I said, the Microsoft, if there's one thing they're good at, it's not making the right decision. No, I can't remember. With the exception of Game Pass, I don't really remember many good ideas Microsoft has done. Connect failed. No. Connect's the big blunder. I guess <laughs> usually Microsoft gets one idea and that carries them for a long time. First it was Xbox Live, now it's Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. And then they got lucky with, you know, uh, Sony making a big mistake with the PS3. But somebody who is hoping to not make a big mistake is Disney because they have invested $1.5 billion in a stake into Epic Games. They're essentially hoping to create their own little metaverse using Fortnite, which would obviously include popular Disney properties such as Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, and Avatar. I think that this is a very... This is a very, like, corporate business guy not understanding the market and hearing that video games make money and thinks well let's just what's what's a video game that's big fortnite okay let's just throw money at that and that'll be our video game thing uh i mean i hope if it'll probably pay off if you can kind of get your own little metaverse fortnite's kind of created its own metaverse more than any other (laughs) tech company anyway you know, in terms of they came up with that Lego game and they have their own rock band and 
I'm sure like if you own a Spider-Man skin in Fortnite, you'll be able to wear that in this Disney thing. So as far as mm-hmm. what all these tech bros were saying, the metaverse would be where you could buy a sword in Skyrim and take it with you into Call of Duty. Fortnite's actually probably the one game who could do that. So it makes sense that Disney mm-hmm. would kind of want to get some of that. But at the same time, uh, there's a part of me that kind of wished that they would just take that one and a half billion and put it into ramping up some studios and we just get, you know, some kind of interesting Marvel and Star Wars and even Avatar games. And I guess we're getting those things anyway, but yeah, I don't know. I, I This doesn't really, I, I, I like Star Wars. I like Marvel. This doesn't excite me at all. Yeah. Um. First of all, didn't like your transition. Transition should have been. Speaking of bad decisions, that no, got into I that. don't. I don't think this Second is a bad decision. I think this is probably this will probably make Disney a lot of money. I just don't care about it at all. Yeah, I think that's the epitome of it. It's okay, cool. It's <clears throat> it's big business doing big business. That's pretty much the best way to look at it. They. I think it's just it's boring. Like it's yeah. You pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's the cool thing would be giving that money to smaller studios and having them build up. That'd be cool if they we got more games like Star <clears throat> Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Love that game. I'm really enjoying it. And it would be cool if they started leasing out those IPs and giving some really big budgets to make a lot of AAA games for their IPs. But at the same time, let's really look at it this way. A lot of their movies... Yeah, but let's look at it this way, and this is kind of my perspective. A lot of their movies haven't been doing that great lately. And the thing that they really can do well, though, is merchandising that's where I feel like a lot of their money's really coming from these days. And I feel like Fortnite is so big that their partnerships with Epic is kind of a way of merchandising. So even though we may not be getting more products necessarily associated with this, I believe that this can make them a lot of money. And it might be boring, but by the end of the day, as long as you turn a profit, that's what matters most. Yeah, I just hope that this isn't because one thing that I do kind of think you're mm-hmm. wrong about is you did say, well, you weren't really wrong about it, but Disney's strategy has been to lease out their prop, their IP, right? Just yeah. last year alone, we got Spider-Man 2, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Avatar. The year before that, we got, I don't know was guardians last year like we've been getting pretty good guardians i think was a couple years ago yeah we've been getting and then even this coming year we've got star wars outlaws oh and we got that uh disney game illusion island we've been Mm -hmm. getting a lot of disney games and so i guess as long as they keep doing those and those are well received i'm fine with that but i also wouldn't have minded if maybe yeah they kind of spun off their own studios and then they didn't have to license up their stuff but Regardless, like I said, I think they'll make a lot of money, much like Nintendo has made a lot of money because they had an investor call and they gave some updates. Uh, I'll go through this pretty fast because I. Do you know what you just did? 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you just well, I was uh, about to start I was so, about to start reading my notes and they just disappear from the document. I'm like, okay, I guess we're not talking about the switch, Noah. You are staging a coup. Yeah, no. I mentioned earlier, I was like, oh, that would be kind of cool if Microsoft made its own console. We're just we're not talking about the switch. Switch is the age of the switch is over. We're talking about the age of the Microsoft Extra, which is for an extra way to play your games on the go. So, sure. yeah, that's what we're talking about. Anyway, back to the Switch. Bill Spencer nope. himself looking, listening to this podcast now being like, oh shit, we're doing that? Oh, all right, I, I didn't know that, but I, I guess so, if that's what we're doing. Write this down, write this down. Um... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the, you just completely derailed me. Uh, Switch has sold 132. Here's just kind of just the like brief what the notes from it. Do to the gaming no. industry. The Switch has sold 132 million units. This puts it in third place for the most sold units for a console ever. The DS was in second place with 154 million, and the PS2 was in first place with 158 million. They did raise financial forecasts for the Switch. So they think it'll keep selling a little bit more. I I don't think it'll really beat either of those. It might, but if the Switch 2 comes out this year, that's probably not likely. A couple of other little tidbits. Tears of the Kingdom has sold 20.3 million units. Super Mario Wonder has sold 12 million units. And the most successful game on the Switch was Mario Kart Deluxe, which sold 57 million units. Um, yeah, pretty... So Switch is still selling pretty well, even though it's a seven going on eight-year-old piece of tech. So yeah, good on Nintendo. Do you have anything to say about that or? Not really. I mean, it feels like it feels like every couple of weeks we talk about a new sales record. Switch does, and I feel like we've kind of pretty much said everything really to say. Switch doing great. Nintendo's doing great. Good for them. <laughs> yep. But you know who else is doing great these days, Simon? Ah, uh, you can tell me. Fighting game fans. Fighting yeah. games for lately, we've had some very good fighting games. And to kick off how all these great fighting games, Evo 2024 lineup just got announced. Main stage is games going to include Street Fighter 6, Tekken 8, Guilty Gear Strive, Mortal Kombat 1, King of Fighters 15, Grand Blue Fantasy vs. Rising, Undernight EX M Birth 2, Sis Celeste, and Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. They are going to be at a new location. Evo has always been, Evo or Battle of the Bay, really has been in Las Vegas for a long time, still is, but. They're now being located to the West Hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center. And both the shore floor, the show floor, Artist Alley, and the publisher booths will be available for all three days. Whereas historically, most of those things have only been around for, for Friday and Saturday. So, Simon, uh, what, what would you like to mention, talk about for the main stages games? Because you you were a little surprised when you saw those games, correct? Yeah, I think it's a shit lineup. Um, I think I think that this is the worst. If you were to pick a 
list of fighting games, I don't think you could pick a worse list because I don't know why would you pick Street Fighter 6 and Tekken 8 when Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2 came out last year and so did Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm Baruto Ultimate Connections Saga X Cross D those are just real fighting games mm-hmm. I don't know what these games yeah, are uh, no, but no. Jujutsu Kaisen game just came out too they should have added that oh yeah Curse Clash yeah I, this is yeah, this yeah is a, that one this is a garbage list um Mm-hmm. No, in all, in all seriousness, I think, I mean, a lot of these make sense. I, I was surprised by Undernight X in Birth 2 Sisseless, which I feel dirty saying. Because uh, <laughs> I, I thought I thought Fighter Z was still pretty well, big, but I, I guess not. So the other ones, none, nothing else on here really surprises me. Yeah, well, I mean, the cool thing is, it's really great that you feel dirty about pronouncing that title. It is French bread. And French bread games, they are known for being considered, they're not poverty fighters, but they were famous for being played in the bathrooms at video game tournaments. So, I mean, if if you feel dirty saying it, just think it matches the aesthetic of the bathroom. Probably, yeah, you probably feel dirty playing it. And I think it's a great lineup. It really is just, this is what is big in... The fighting game community right now you got undernight which is the big anime fighter or not the big anime fighter but it's kind of that niche the anime fighter replacing of course melty blood and then you have grand blue fantasy versus rising which is like the big anime fighter in my opinion and that is it's great really just fulfilling every corner of the fighting game community with this. And even though Third Strike isn't big at the moment, Evo always does include a kind of throwback retro title, or it has been in the past couple of years. Last time it was Marvel vs. Capcom 2, so this is kind of the next thing. The throwback game is going to be Street Fighter Third Strike, which really hoping that... <laughs> Really hoping we get a... I'm sure that there will be at least several people trying to recreate Evo Moment 37. And that would be great if we could have a Daigo versus Justin Wong rematch. Yeah, that'd be cool. But it'd be cooler if they were playing Nickelodeon All-Star Brawls 2 <laughs> that has <laughs> Avatar and uh, Cat Dog. I, I, and... I can guarantee Daigo, if he tried playing that game, he would just be super confused. Justin would also be confused, but I feel like he might be able to get a handle on it just because he plays so many random like fighting games, whereas Daigo is pretty much an exclusively Street Fighter player. And so he might be a little confused as to what's going on. But regardless, yeah, that would be cool. By the way, did you hear they just announced Mr. Krabs' DLC? No, because I don't actually care. (laughs) (laughs) I, I will say that this is the thing that I... I find this the craziest part about that. If we lived in a world where Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, the series, did not exist, we, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 
any game that includes one of them would have the other three playable. The Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl is the only video game in history where some but not all of the turtles are playable. Yeah, that's because the game was kind of... I know a lot of people like it, but the game's kind of whack. But we've been talking about yeah. it for long enough. We got, we still got two more news stories. So just get us right into the next one. Noah, we'll keep this brief. Okay. Which, yeah, we're going to try to keep this brief. Because... Anyway, <laughs> that, was a, that was a cool recovery, wasn't it, Simon? Yeah. <laughs> no, we're gonna try to keep it brief. I say as I wasted like twelve minutes with that little, and you're still doing it. Sketch. So yeah, okay, I'll keep it. Okay, I'll keep it brief. We don't have a lot of time, both during this podcast and on this earth, and that is something that Hideo Kojima really realized, as he discussed that in 2020. He had an encounter with a deadly illness that involved him needing to undergo surgery. And for that reason, he... What's Ligma? Kojima got Ligma balls. (laughs) Classic! Anyway, though, going back to more serious topics such as death, um, Kojima, he... Mentioned that yeah, you did have to battle uh, Ligma. Okay, no, that was that was disrespectful. <laughs> that was bad. I'm sorry. He did have a battle with a deadly illness, and he really realized how finite his time is, and so he kind of wants to do everything he can. A lot of people have been wanting him to return to the stealth espionage genre, and that is why he's announced Fizzent. And the only reason I really wanted to talk about this is because last week on the podcast, we talked about how Kojima's been a little overexposed. And I think this really kind of explains that. He did have, was, he claimed that this was the lowest point of his life. And it makes sense for that, for him to now be like, I really want to do everything I can before I have to leave. And this is his way of doing that, which I say, you know what? If that's really where all this is coming from, I, I don't mind him being a little overexposed then. Yeah, and my issue was never that he was overexposed. My issue was if he's got Death Stranding 2, which is a, over a year out, and then he's got <laughs> Overdose, which is who knows how much time out, and then he's got Fizzent, which is even further out than that, I don't mind that he wants to make all these things. I think that's cool. I just, I don't know, maybe wait until you've got something to show for these games. Cause the way I see it is Fizzent in particular is so far out that game might just never get made. But I do think it's cool that uh, Kojima realizing he will most likely one day die is how we're getting <laughs> him to revisit the stealth genre. Um, because he's only got so much time left on this earth. Yeah, he's which brings like us to our feel good story. Yeah, which brings us to our feel good story because whereas Kojima wants to cram as much achievements into his life as he can, 
Yoko Shimamuro has already done that because the GDC will be presenting her with a Lifetime Achievement Award. She got her career started at Capcom, where she was a composer for pretty popular games like Street Fighter 2, which is not at EVO, Final Fight, which is also not at EVO, and The King of the Dragons, which is definitely not at EVO. And then uh, after she did the music for those, she went over to Square Enix and did music for Final Fantasy series Kingdom Hearts, Live Alive, and Parasite Eve, which none of those are at EVO either. Um, as yeah, far as I mean, we're aware yeah uh, I, I mean yeah that's uh, all of those games that I just said have some of the best music ever made so if anybody deserves it for being a composer it's this woman which is I didn't realize it was she was a like a woman worked on those games until I was reading the article yeah. and that's kind of wild because that would have been like the 80s and 90s so good for her yeah, and I feel like it's one of those things where in the past there was a lot of women in random position in game development, usually associated with like music. And it's really interesting how they just aren't really talked about. It's it's awesome that they were able to do it and that they built careers. I mean, just think, a woman created Guile's theme. Like <laughs> that is one of theme? yeah it's then that's cool just I think some, Kenstein is I, um i Kenstein is better i mean there's that's a discussion that's, but i guess people can of, be wrong yeah by the way not related to her capcom is doing a thing called capcom super election just a quick little survey oh yeah for if you want oh you did it yeah, I meant to text you about it. My oh, bad. Well, I did it too. So it's just one of those things. Capcom does this pretty often, just kind of like, hey, what Capcom games do you like? What Capcom games you kind of want to see more of? So go on to Capcom's town hall website and should be able to fill it out. So yeah, something I was interested in is they were like, what new game entry would you be interested in seeing? And Rival Schools was on there, so I was like, yep, definitely would like to see a new Rival Schools game. Or a port or something. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of Japanese companies do this from time to time. If it's anything like Atlas, we'll uh, get to fill out about 400 of these, and then we'll finally get Persona on Switch. Oh, All right, by the way, so real quick, over... saw what? an advertisement. Atlas is apparently hiring in Japan, so if anybody's in Japan and wants a job, maybe you can apply to Atlas. There you go. <laughs> All right. That's ready cool. to go into our game of the game of the week. Yes, I am. Are you ready? Uh, only if you are. So we are. Sorry, I just realized something. I'm OK. Um, so this week we're talking last week. We spun the wheel and we got a Game Boy Advance game. So we're talking about Metroid Fusion. As per usual, we will say what we like, what we don't like and who we'd recommend it to before we go into full spoilers for the game. So, Noah, Metroid Fusion, what do you like, what do you not like, who would you recommend it to? Go. I like how this was one of the first big Game Boy Advance releases. That's, I guess that's not about the game necessarily, but I like the gameplay. It was a fun, maybe not the newest take on Metroid, but it was a good quality Metroid handheld game. 
and I would say it's for fans of SNES slash GBA styled games. Who is it not for? Maybe for older fans who can't really, who don't really appreciate those kinds of games, or ones who just want something a bit more modern, or maybe even something a bit different. Yeah, I I kind of agree with all that. I would recommend it to people who want um, a pretty good Metroidvania. That is a, Mm -hmm. I would say at this point, it's a classic Metroidvania. It's on the other side of that, because it is, it is a game that you can sometimes get stuck or lost, which Mm -hmm. is part of the fun of it. So if you don't really enjoy that, I would not recommend this game to you. And as for... Oh, I guess I kind of did that. I did it wrong. There you go. I said what I liked. I like how it's classic. I don't like how you can get lost or stuck. And I would recommend it to people who are fine with those things and who aren't fine with those things. Sorry, I'm yeah, trying to open up you, our wheels because I realized no, our, you, our wheel. You answered that question in like a very good way, too. It was very, it wasn't structured, but you answered it without people even knowing. If you didn't call attention to it, it would have been just poetry right there. But. Anyway, oh, so man. with that in Sorry, mind... Sorry, I was distracted because I was... Uh, yeah, I was trying to open our wheels, which I realized I didn't have open. Anyway, all right, so with that being said, we're going to go full spoiler territory. So if you don't want to know how a game from 2002 ends or what happens in it, then we'll see you next week where we'll talk about something else. Um, so I actually played this game for the first time like three or four years ago. So this game... I did play it, not when it first came out, and I think it holds up pretty well. But what about you, Noah? <laughs> so, for disclosure, when it came out, yes, I did. I was about eight years old, if I'm not mistaken. So, wait, 2012 or 2002, right? You'd have been like six. Yeah, I was six at that time. So, I played it. I really liked it. I did, however, get stuck on one part. And after... Did you beat it? No, I never did. Because I got stuck. And I played it a lot. Even though I was stuck, I still played the game a whole lot trying to figure out what to do. Just because I really liked it. But alas, I never was able to complete the game. So my memory of the game is not as clear as yours. But... I still remember it after all this time. I remember like the part where you're in the little morph ball and you see the infected Samus like walking below you. It's like, huh, that's weird. I thought I was Samus. So yeah, it was a good game, but unfortunately I never was able to beat it. Yeah, I um that was kind of the one thing even even though i played it fairly recently that is the thing that sort of stood out to me is when you do run into like the clone samus how i guess terrifying it is you do feel mm-hmm. like that creature is a threat and that it'll just manhandle you and so every time she does show up it's very tense which is it mm-hmm. almost gives the game like a survival horror feeling and there's a couple of times where yeah like there's there's a section kind of towards the end of the game where the ship or the i guess facility that samus is in loses power so you kind of have to like creep through and you can't use elevators or anything and yeah and 
evil clone Samus is kind of stalking you the whole time. And it's just this really tense section because you know that you are outmatched. And I think that that was sort of the inspiration for the Emmys that are seen in Dread, who sort of mm-hmm. serve a similar function. But I, I think Fusion did it first. Oh, I, and, and I, at least, sorry, I think Fusion may have done it a little better just because it's a Metroid game, lots of sounds. But then when you get to the part, at least with the introduction, it's very quiet and you just hear its footsteps, which I think is really cool for a Game Boy Advance game to do that. And so. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I think Dread actually does it a little better because oh, I really? think most of the time with the clone Samus, Dark Samus, is it Dark Samus? Is it I considered Dark, Dark Samus? Dark Samus was different. But- yeah, because that's Metroid Prime 2. I don't 2. know. Um, yeah, we'll just I, say Clone Samus. I don't know what the actual term is, but Clone we'll Samus most of the time... Samus. Yeah, most of the time Clone Samus or Evil Samus shows up in cutscenes, whereas... Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple of boss fights, and those are good boss fights, whereas I think the Emmys are integrated into the game a little bit better, where there are a lot more like rooms where you kind of have to think about... The Emmys almost serve as a puzzle, whereas Clone Samus is kind of this like plot device if that makes sense yeah so while i do agree that it's a cool character and they did a good job of making it does kind of the specter of clone samus looms over this game making it kind of freaky and creepy in general (laughs) as far as gameplay goes i don't know if it's as effective which makes sense this is a game it is the fourth metroid game after yeah, the original, the Game Boy one, and then obviously Super Metroid. And this was mm-hmm. kind of the closest one to like a modern one. Super Metroid still plays incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a little bit different. It was for the Game Boy Advance, which is kind of a new, it was a new generation of systems. But at the same time, you were losing two buttons, mm-hmm. right? Because the Super Nintendo had four yeah. face buttons, the Game Boy Advance only had two. So I think that they did have to make some compromises and in as far as like the controls go and i think mm-hmm. it generally works pretty well but as far as and that's why i kind of have a hard time talking about this game because mm-hmm. judged through judged on its own it's a fantastic game mm-hmm. but compared to super what metroid came it? not even what came before it but even what came after with zero mission i think that both of those games are better Mm-hmm. And I don't have you. You haven't played Zero Mission. Have you played Super Metroid? I yeah. So I played a little bit of both of them. I played a good amount of Super Metroid. I haven't played much of Zero Mission. I, as a kid, I heard Zero Mission was essentially a remake. So I was like, oh, I don't want to play an old game. I want some of that new shit. So I never. Yeah. I mean, I keep in mind I was like six or probably yeah. by this point like seven or eight. And so I didn't really get to play much of Zero Mission and I did play some of Super Metroid and that's kind of my issue when thinking about this game is this is a very good game but how much is it just building off of the basis that was Super Metroid? And I don't normally like to try to compare games but 
there are times where it's important. And I think this is also why it is a little difficult to talk about handheld games, because oftentimes they are building off of the basics of revolutionary games or icon i guess both revolutionary and iconic are fitting in a lot of instances yeah i agree with that and i still think that there are plenty of handheld games which do deserve to be on the list Mm -hmm. but it is i think that fusion is just kind of this weird game where it it didn't it was a little more i don't know if experimental is the right word but it it kind of focused on things that other Metroids generally don't. It is it is a game that you can get lost in and, and stuck in, but even then it's not quite as open as Super Metroid or Zero Mission. But it has it, it puts a much more emphasis on story, which isn't bad because I think the story no. in this game is actually pretty good for a Metroid mm-hmm. game. But at the same time, kind of like what we talked about last week with Doom, most of the time if you're playing a Metroid game, you do want to you don't really care about the story a whole lot. There, there's mm-hmm. enough there to kind of keep you. I think Metroid has some interesting lore, but most of the time you do kind of just want to explore whatever facility Samus is stuck on this time. Yeah. And I mean, I think the best example of that, what is everybody, what was the most hated Metroid game? Oh yeah. Other M, which famous for its <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was, what Metroid game had the biggest emphasis on its story? Yeah. Other M. Other M. <laughs> No, I I agree. It's and I think that there's a reason for that. And part of it, I think, is just other M story is bad. Yeah, because Dread had some cool story moments too. But mm-hmm. I think Dread, Dread did a better job of integrating those into the story. Whereas I feel like Fusion tossed them in per, like more frequently, so they feel mm-hmm. they break up the game a little bit more. Yeah. So it's harder to kind of get in that groove because so much of Metroidvania is just getting in that groove and learning mm-hmm. where things are and kind of almost becoming addicted to just finding new secrets and exploring yeah. sections. And when mm-hmm. you've got these kind of lengthy story sections, which couldn't be skipped just because games didn't really let you do that at the time, mm-hmm. it did really break apart and it could kill some of that forward momentum, which mm-hmm. can already be tough in a game that you can get stuck in. So, yeah. So, yeah. And it's one of those things too, where you just, you want to just have fun. By the end of the day, that's why you play a game. You want to have fun, and... And this game is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. But, unfortunately, there are times that the game slows down, and it's a shame how there are times where it slows down on purpose, which is the story, and times where it slows down by accident, which is getting stuck on where to go. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um... Boss fights are great, though. I really like the when you fight Clone Samus. Obviously, um, Kraden, Kraken, Crade, just Crade, uh, I guess. Yeah, Crade, yeah, big boy. Yeah, he's he's always fun. Um, mm-hmm. The final boss is pretty fun. It's yeah, it's, and that's that's why this game is hard to talk about. It's not that it does anything bad, really, Mm-mm. minus the story kind of maybe sometimes interrupting but even then the story is the best probably metroid story or one of them mm-hmm. it's more that other games just do everything a little bit better and that's other metroid games at least and that's what makes this one i think kind of more of its 
that's its biggest sin. Not that it's bad because mm-hmm. it isn't. It's it's incredibly good. No. It's a great game. And if we're just being, uh, if we're not comparing it to itself, I think it definitely should be on the top 100 games of all time. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it makes sense to have a top 100 games of all time list with like every single Metroid (laughs) because really like with the exception of Metroid two and I guess the original Metroid and other M I think that most Metroid games are better than fusion. And again, that's not saying fusion's bad, but I think super Metroid zero mission and maybe even dread are all better than, and the prime games are kind of better than fusion. Yeah. And I wouldn't be against having every game of one franchise on the top 100 list if I felt like they all did something to deserve it. Like, But the issue is I feel like Fusion doesn't deserve it enough. It's a good game, yeah, and we've already pretty much said as long as a game does everything right enough, it can make the list. But I feel like Fusion's problem is it does everything right, but other Metroid games do it more right to the point that Fusion doesn't feel as unique or stand out. I yeah. think that Fusion, the most unique part of Fusion, let's we're going to be I'm going to be 100 percent honest, then this is gonna be a hot take. The most unique part of Fusion is Samus's design. Prior to that, Samus looked the same. Uh, Okay, well, prior to that, Samus had the exact same design. And so in Fusion, they changed it up. And I think that is the thing that makes Fusion stand out the most compared to other Metroid games. And those little ball thingies, too. Those are also pretty cool. But that's why I, I like this game. But unfortunately, it's like compared to some of the other Metroid games, it's like they did more for the genre. And it's fun, but is it more fun than those other entries? And I, I personally don't really think it is. No, I don't. I don't really think it is either. Even like Zero Mission, which came out just pretty soon after, I think mm-hmm. offers the player a little bit more freedom in terms of <laughs> just exploring the world and getting to do what they want to do and letting the player get lost a little bit. And then dread i think is better in kind of that like railroad approach because that's kind of fusion's biggest sin is that it doesn't commit either way it's just like linear and railroady enough to not be super exciting to explore but then <laughs> just open-ended enough where you can get lost and stuck and i think you kind of have to go one or the other because <laughs> like dread is pretty railroady so you you don't really have to worry about getting lost but you still, it does a good job of making you feel like you're exploring. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. zero mission is like, just go get lost. That's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. And and then obviously the prime games are just, and Super Metroid is, I, I don't know. I think Super Metroid's the best one because it's just, it's got everything. It's the whole package. It's, it's, it's Of course, best out of 2D Metroids because I feel like Super Metroid versus Prime, that could be a very big discussion. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, we won't get into that because that is just no. whichever one you like more. But I, I personally wait. You mean I'm... on our on the podcast where we talk about Metroid Fusion, you don't want to hear this big argument about what's better, Super Metroid or Prime? Yeah, that's 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 too much. That's like a Sophie's choice. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> we don't have that much time. Um, yeah, kind of a shorter discussion, but I. 
the music's good, but even then, I don't think the music quite reaches the highs of uh, <laughs> of Prime or even you know Super Metroid. It, I will say, the music is uniquely suited to fusion, being mm-hmm. kind of what we talked about. This more sort of survival horror, almost uh, theme or yeah. feeling to it has the game. A, yeah, has a horror. I, has a hint of horrorness. Yeah, yeah. I tint. think that the 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 music fits that. Like, if you were to put this music in Zero Mission or Super Metroid, it wouldn't work. But in Fusion, I think it is perfect. It is perfect for Fusion. But again, personally, I just prefer yeah Super Metroid and Prime's music a little bit more. And and well, that's again the game's biggest sin. Yeah, and I think the best example of that is the title menu. It's very like ominous and like a little haunting it's and i think that that i can remember that music very well and as a kid i didn't really think about game design or anything but looking back on it now it's like oh yeah that is a little creepy of a soundtrack it would fit in very well with like with alien and i think that's kind of what they were going for and the music really did help with that yeah Nope, I I agree. So you ready to you ready to call it, or is there anything else you want to say yeah, about Metroid Fusion? Yeah, um, yeah, I think we're gonna call it pretty much. Yeah. So. Okay. Ira. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think it's any surprise. Uh, I don't think Metroid Fusion's getting on the list again. Not that it's bad at all, because it's not. It's fantastic, and it is probably actually one of the best games ever made, but. It's not as good as Zero Mission, which is similar. It's not as good as Super Metroid, which is similar. It's just, we, yeah, like you said, it doesn't make sense to put a bunch, if if every game in a franchise did something unique, like Zelda or Mario, <laughs> like those are all pretty good. Like every mainline Zelda game probably has a chance of getting on the list, but mm-hmm. something like Metroid Fusion, which I just don't think does anything unique enough, I just don't, I don't think it makes it. Yeah, I mean... It was something we talked about with kind of that I mentioned with ports. It's a little difficult to really put them on the list because a lot of them are, they kind of go off of what came before it. Like for, I believe I'm pretty sure your favorite Game Boy Advanced game is Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which is of course a remake of an SNES game. But then you compare it to something like Minish Cap, it's like, Finish Cap was really good, and that might be able to make it the list, honestly. Whereas yeah. F- Fusion doesn't. I don't really feel that way. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. Um, yeah. so sorry, Metroid Fusion, but I mean, we've already got Prime on there. I'm sure that we will add one other Metroid at least. Uh, We're doing Federation Force with this one, boys. Yeah, and other apps. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. So... So with that being said, let's so we don't forget spin our wheel. Nope. Uh right. oh, whoops, I spun the wrong wheel first. Okay. You blockhead. I know. What the fuck? Why do you do this? Is it another PS4 PS5 game? Yeah, okay, I'm shuffling it. You shuffling really it. need to check that wheel. Something is up. Something is up. You really need to just uh, before the podcast. A little bit further. No, man. Okay, fine. Um, what is? 
It's uh, N64 PS1 Dreamcast PC. Let's spin oh, the okay. platform wheel. God, I hope it's not PC. That's gonna be that's gonna be hard. That that wasn't a spin. What happened? It just like Did it just it, like, like barely. Okay, cool. We're gonna talk about a Dreamcast game. Oh, that should be fun. Yeah, there's quite a few we can pull from. Uh, full disclosure, yeah. we didn't own a Dreamcast, so we'll probably just have to do like a GameCube port of a Dreamcast. But um, or we might do an arcade game that had a very successful Dreamcast port. That's that's probably pretty likely too. Cool. All <laughs> right. So yeah, next week we'll talk about a Sega Dreamcast game, and that'll be fun. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, just a quick follow up to our game draft where noah you drafted helldivers 2 yeah and that game has come out because that is a live service game it looks like reviews aren't in yet Mm -hmm. uh so there's no score so we won't know that we'll check it next week if there's no score for helldivers 2 next week we'll probably just have you pick a new game because i don't know if it will get a score well i think it will because there are there are reviews in progress and that's something that's kind of it actually has a score on metacritic but metacritic they don't give it a score until four different review outlets review yeah, the game it's only got like one <laughs> yes it's got exactly two. it's got it's, it's, it's got, got an one yeah so but we can't put it on right now so yeah i mean worst case scenario i'll just swap it with foam stars they're essentially the same game from what i hear yeah, I wonder if Foam Stars does have a. Yes, it does. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> What's it at? Fifty nine. If you want to switch it out for Foam Stars, go for it. Um, okay. I'll think about it. <laughs> With that being said, Noah, what have you you been playing? I've mostly been playing Tekken and Star Wars. Still, some good Tekken. games that I've been playing for. It is a good Tekken. It's games I've been playing for a while. Star Wars, I'm almost done, which is nice because I've lately been wanting to play Spider-Man, but I don't want to start it until I finish Star Wars because I feel like they are very similar in a lot of ways. But I've been playing a lot of Tekken as well. I'm maining Shaheen, but I am thinking about changing my main and learning a new character just because from what I hear, Shaheen is... He is a very good character, but he also is a little bit of a boring character. Like, he's got good buttons, but he doesn't have any gimmicks or anything. So they say he's a great character to learn the game, but he also isn't... He teaches you the basics, but I kind of want somebody with a bit more jazz. So I'm thinking about changing to Lars, but I have to first learn how to play Lars. Yeah, so, sounds like yeah. a gibberish to me, but I, I do want to play Tekken. <laughs> Maybe I'll... Uh, did you did you buy a digital copy or a physical? I bought physical because... <laughs> so, being in Japan, my PlayStation is still connected to the US PlayStation Store, so when you take in currency conversion... It was a little cheaper for me to buy a physical copy, so I just bought a physical one. Yeah. Mm, okay. I was gonna try to <laughs> download it onto mine like I did with Alan Wake, but whatever. 
Yeah, I'll, I, maybe I'll, I'll pick it up when it gets on sale, maybe, and try it out. But I think I'd rather just spend yeah, some time with Street Fighter. But I, I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, and I prefer fighting games on digital just because I just like popping in and playing them for a bit. And it's a shame where it's like, okay, got to take out Star Wars, got to put in Tekken. And then if I'm playing just a single player game, I can just leave it in my PlayStation. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, it was a little cheaper for me to play to buy the physical. So I was like, all right, I'll just do that. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, I've still just been playing. Oh, were you going to talk any more about Star Wars or no, you're good. You're no, just not really. Up I'm, yeah, I'm almost done. So it's like, yeah, maybe next- I'm enjoying it. Well, uh, maybe we'll do a fun discussion next week because you're pretty close to being done. So maybe we'll do like a full spoiler type of thing and we can dive into the specifics a little bit more without. Uh, yeah, so. Star Wars iconic Dreamcast game. Yeah, no, just at <laughs> the end. Does it make the top 100? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just at the end when we talk about what we're playing. Um, yeah. As for me, um, <laughs> I downloaded the Final Fantasy Rebirth demo. I was going to try to get to that today, but I was just out running errands a lot longer, so I didn't get to it. Uh, but I'm hoping to do that tomorrow. And then I've still been playing Final Fantasy VI on like my lunch breaks. I got to the opera scene, the famous opera scene. And that is a pretty cool scene. I think just given the age of the game, it's not as potent as it was, but it is a pretty cool little section that I think and, shows why this game was special. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they kind of update it as well in this version? They, they did. I heard they, they did added, s- like, something. Yeah, they added, I think, like voice acting to a certain portion. And it. I think it works. Like I said, it, I think the overall like kind of idea gets across or they they updated the voice acting maybe i'm not sure but it's it's a cool section i i'm still a little i'm waiting for the game to kind of i guess like the plot to really kick in the characters are just now starting to become a little more three-dimensional whereas they were pretty one note up to this point now we're kind of starting to get them starting to get their backstories which i think makes them more enjoyable and that makes the game a little better so yeah, I'm I'm still really enjoying it. It is classic Final Fantasy, and that's kind of what I like. But it's not one of my favorites just yet. But I heard the second half is kind of when the game really takes off. Um, and then when I'm home, I'm playing Persona Three Reload, which is that's that's such a dangerous game to play. It's so easy to just what? say like, oh, I'll just do I'll just do like one more day, and then the night comes, and then it's a new plot development so then you're like okay well i'll just do one more day and oh well i'm only one more away from maxing up the social link so i'll just do that and it's just it's mm-hmm. i played the only persona game i've played is five royal and i played that during mm-hmm. covid and it's the perfect covid game now that it's mm-hmm. not covid and i have other responsibilities it is just yeah it's a dangerous game but it's a lot of fun and i'm i mm-hmm. i i'm starting to like it more when i was playing it last weekend i liked it but i was like oh i don't like the music as much. I don't like the characters as much. I don't like the plot as much. I don't like the dungeons as much. And now I'm like, oh, well, actually, I kind of like the dungeons and the characters are starting to grow on me and the music's starting to grow on me. So we'll see kind of how it stacks up to five when uh, when I'm done with it. But yeah, really cool game. If you like uh, turn-based RPGs, it's pretty good. That being said, all right, Noah, <laughs> before we get out of here, you want to plug anything? Yeah, I think I'm going to plug in that Law and Order clip, the one that is like, it's a really great clip. It's the guy and he's like, man, I am not gay. I have relationships with women and sex with men. 
And then Ice T's like, and I got news for you. That means you're gay. It's a really great clip. I highly recommend everybody go in and check it out because it's it's <laughs> words cannot do this this clip justice. So that is that's what I'm plugging in. That clip of Law and Order where Ice T tells the dude he's gay. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that clip? No, I'm watching it right now. You Hold on. Okay. be quiet. Oh, it's an ad. You also might want to make sure that I can't hear it because if it gets uploaded to the podcast, that could spell legal trouble for us, oh, which we'll is ironic because it's a police we'll show. Be, we'll be fine. <laughs> can you hear it? I am not gay. I let, yes, I can. I, win. Hold on, I want to. I want to restart it. I am not gay. I have relationships with women and sex with men. And I got news for you. That means you're gay. (laughs) (laughs) He nods his head no, like, this fucking guy. Well, I think the best part is the, and sex with men, because the way that he says it in his face is like, yeah, this'll get him. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend that clip to everybody. (laughs) Well, now you don't even have to. I just played it for y'all. Yep. Well, you gotta gotta watch the clip because the visual is part of that. That's true. The visuals were pretty good. His face and and Ice-T just being Ice-T. All right, I'm gonna get us out of here. All righty then. I think it helps if I turn up the volume of the outro. All righty then. Go ahead. Well, thank you everybody for listening to it. Kind of a shorter one today. Yeah. And also, thank you to Pecan Pie on Upbeat for our intro and outro songs. Thank you to Zach Robinson for our logo. And thank you to Gabrielle Esty for our editing. If you like this, please follow and or subscribe and consider leaving a rating and review so more people can find us. We still want to grow. You can find other episodes of this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, where you can follow along with the history and what has made it on the list and what has not made it on the list. If you want to send us an email, you can do so at gamedisc.podcast at gmail.com and we will read it on the air. You can send us questions, suggestions, or anything you'd like. And next week, we will see you all again when we talk about a Sega Dreamcast game. And hopefully, unlike that console, this podcast will not be a failure. (laughs) All right. We'll see you all next week. Alright. Bye. After the song, don't stop recording. Why? What are you gonna do? Okay, just a, just a fun little story for uh, tidbit. Anybody that's interested. So, going back to Metroid Fusion. For those of you who don't know, whenever you die, Samus, essentially her clothes get destroyed. So she's just in a bikini. And I remember as a six-year-old kid, like after. The older kids I hung out with saw it. They were like, thought they were like, oh, that's so funny, girls. And I was just a six-year-old kid, and I was like, oh, okay, that that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, that's my that's my childhood story of Metroid Fusion. I should have stopped it when the song ended. <laughs>